Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Chris Graham. It's Monday. We're going to talk NASCAR with Rod Mullins, and we're going to break down how things went on the track yesterday in Vegas as Hendrick Motorsports sweeping the top three spots. And, uh, you know, Rod, we were talking before uh, we, we hit record, maybe not the most uh, exciting race until the very end. Right. Uh, but then things really went out of whack there at the end uh, with with a caution and, and an overtime. Uh, take us into how things went down. Well, I mean, like we were talking, you know, this was not exactly the most thrilling race in the world. I mean, William Byron, he ended up uh, leading over, I guess, I guess it was about 100 and hundred and some laps, hundred plus laps is what he was doing in order to come up with the win. But, you know, out of nowhere came that caution right there with just a few laps left to go before the end of this race. And it all came down to pit road. That's what it came down to, whether or not you were going to make the stop for two tires, get a little bit of fuel, a splash just to get you through because the tires on some of these cars were, were very much worn out. Uh, Martin Truex is the one that probably attests to that more than anybody else. He held out there, was hoping that he'd have enough tires to make it and pick up his first win of, you know, 2023. And for likewise, you know, last year, he was, he's been winless last year into this year. And so he was hoping to pick up a, a race win, but his tires weren't good enough. I mean, with the cooler temperatures, temperatures in the fifties per se, I guess on, on Sunday at Las Vegas, it was cool. It's out in the desert. These tires, of course, when they cool off and then they start to heat back up again, well, that's when the situation changes a little bit. And he just didn't have any grip on those tires whatsoever. And then lo and behold, William Byron ends up winning by inches off of pit road. I'd say at least a good five inches or more over Kyle Larson coming off of pit road. And when he does that, puts himself into place where he overtakes uh, Martin Truex Jr., gets the win. But uh, unfortunately, Kyle Larson, uh, kind of on the uh, bad end of the stick, so to speak, he could have won the race, but he ends up coming in second, and then Alex Bowman coming in third for Alec, for uh, Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah, Larson was cruising there. Uh, yeah, before he that was. Rest with a couple laps to go, Eric Amarola hitting the wall. I mean, he was he was a, he was a good several seconds ahead of every the, the field there at the end there, and you know what was it? I mean, for him, uh, you know, when, when whenever there's a restart at the end of a race like this, it becomes a drag race as much as it is a NASCAR race. Um, just not enough there at the end. Yeah, I, that's what I think. I think there was just not enough there at the end for for him to be able to. I think he even admitted he said that you know. Um, Lo and behold, William probably had a stronger car than what he had. He'd had a good car all day, but, you know, he had a stronger car. It was just a shame, too, because this was probably Hendrick's best finish in quite a while, too. But they did this minus Chase Elliott. And we'll talk a little bit about the Chase Elliott situation here in a little bit. But, uh, you know, it forced uh, the Hendrick Motorsports team into going to a driver that juniors motorsports is used in the in the past and that is josh barry he ended up substituting for elliot on the race yesterday but you know as i break down this race and i look at it the way that it all came out um it really wasn't a big surprise in the case that i thought that there was going to at least be a chevrolet win i thought kyle bush might end up winning i think he ended up finishing 10th out of this it wasn't a bad effort for him at his home track but still you look at this whole situation, it was a little bit of a surprise for me and the Chevrolets and for Hendrick Motorsports because 
Ford has been dominant at this track. You would think that uh, a Ford would have probably been able to dial in. And some of the teams did do pretty well. Kevin Harvick didn't do too bad on the, uh, on the day overall out in Las Vegas, but in the end, it was the Chevrolets. It was Hendrick motorsports power that got them across the finish line. And they finished one, two, three. Now you mentioned chase Elliott. Let's, let's go ahead and dive into that topic here. Uh, fractured tibia on Friday mm-hmm. in a snowboarding accident. What's the latest on chase? Well, he's in for recovery. It's going to be several weeks of recovery. You know, they were kind of, they were kind of, you know, hushed mouthed about this when it first broke and all this stuff happened. We just knew that Chase Elliott was not going to be in the race. And then as it closer, as it got closer to Sunday, the race time and so forth, we start getting an idea. He was snowboarding. Something happened while he was snowboarding. He's not going to be with them for several weeks. Yeah, this is going to put a hurt on Hendrick Motorsports, especially with Chase Elliott looking like at one point he was primed to be able to make a run for another championship run this year, but things were going to have to pay off. But, you know, it's kind of opened this door up now to where some of these car owners and, you know, car team managers are going to have to put their foot down. I mean, I don't blame somebody for having a life outside of racing. It was entirely up to, Chase Elliott, if he wanted to go and he wanted to go skiing in Colorado and do that or go snowboarding for that matter. But, you know, you're taking a chance every time. I think we probably heard this story coming up as we were growing up. You're taking a chance every time you go out in a car. If you go out in a car, whether it be driving at 55 miles an hour or 200 miles an hour, you're taking a chance. If you're going to play baseball, if you're going to play softball or something, there's always the chance you could get hit upside of the head by a, a baseball or a softball just in a charity match or something. And then lo and behold, you get a concussion out of it. And the concussion may not be as bad as a racing concussion, but it still has opened up this whole can of worms again about whether or not some of these drivers should take it easy when they are racing during the season. Um, you know, and you know, kind of look out for things possibly happening like this. And I think that's what's happened now with this whole Chase Elliott thing. We are back to another uh, square one, if you want to call it that. Where are these drivers going to go now? Or what are they going to do in order to, you know, compensate for the downtime and stuff in order to have at least a little bit of a life? You know, was it? I was going to ask about repercussions or possible repercussions for Chase here. You mm-hmm. know, in, in uh, team sports like, you know, baseball, football, basketball hockey i know that uh, it's standard into the contracts now for those athletes in those sports that there are a long number of activities you're not allowed to participate in if you're going to play for a professional sports team you know motorcycle driving Mm -hmm. uh skiing snowboarding lots of things that are that that could lead to injury um are are simply prohibited in those and if and 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 so of course if guys or gals and and women's sports of those natures end up getting hurt they could actually lose money they could their contracts could be voided in some in certain cases if if there's a, a really serious career ending injury suffered outside of the playing field so sounds like it's not a standard thing in nascar contracts no it's not and you know kevin harvick has has owned race teams and so forth he operates a company that represents and advises young drivers and he tells them more than anything else to be smart but to live their lives he's you know he agrees there's a life outside of racing and stuff and you've got to be able to go and live your life kind of keep yourself sane or this deal will eat you up and i agree with that because sooner or later you all the you know different type of uh 
uh, events that you have to appear at and so forth, it takes away from your life. It takes away from your life with your family and so forth. And your wife has to be as accepting or your husband, in this case, if you're a female driver that's on the circuit, they've got to be accepting of that sport. The kids also have to be accepting of the sport. But, you know, sometimes living their own lives can can eat them up as it did this past weekend. And, you know, Elliot spent three hours of surgery on Friday night and then was released on Saturday. So, you know, a, a pretty quick uh, surgery. Uh, I'm sure that they've probably have had to go and reattach with either screws, whatever plates or something to reattach where this bone was broken at and so forth. But, you know, he starts rehab scheduled to start it today they're saying he could be out of several weeks but depending on how his physical uh well-being is you know we might could see him back in maybe about three or four weeks or something give or take if he's healing well enough but you know uh rick hendrick has kind of loosened policy in the last several years because he used to frown on drivers competing in like you mentioned sprint car events and other dangerous activities and so forth but the team president said, Jeff Andrews said Saturday in a quote, he doesn't anticipate a change. These guys have to go out and live a life outside of the racetrack. And, uh, you know, I didn't know this, the Elliott family's had a home in Vail for several years. So it was kind of a stop-off point, I guess, for him to be able to go and kind of release some energy before they headed out to, uh, you know, the race and everything and uh, try to do something in Las Vegas. But you know, it's just one of those things, and you know, I'm sure we're going to hear more about this in the coming uh, days and weeks to come as we anticipate him to tr hopefully return before it's over with, but it's going to be a painful return. I'm sure uh, Kyle Busch probably remembers that well, uh, broke his leg at Daytona in a wreck, and then managed to get back into the thick of things and, and still managed to win a championship that year uh, after NASCAR let him kind of get back into it. He was able to get back into uh, the race and ended up winning the championship, but not without having some pain along the line. And you just have to suck it up and grit your teeth and say, I'm going to go out and do it. Now you're saying you don't think there will be any repercussions in terms of contracts in the future. I, I I'd be surprised, man. I tell you what, if I'm owning a team, I want to make sure my guy, I have a lot of money invested in mm -hmm. that team. I want to make sure that the guy that I've chosen to be in that seat uh, is, is there. Hey, I wanted to ask, what do you know which leg it was? And, and, and depending on which leg it was, how does that impact when he comes back? You know, I mean, obviously there, he might have some, some rustiness and some, we've both broken bones and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's not just automatic that you get everything back when you get back uh, from a broken bone. Um, how would that impact either his ability to shift gears or, or put, you know, the pedal to the metal, et cetera. It's, it's his left tibia is what it is. Okay. So we can at least say in one regard that if he's on a super speedway or he's on one of the 1.5 mile tracks, um, he's not going to have as much difficulty because his right foot's going to be doing a lot of the stuff. And a lot of the drivers train themselves to do uh, gas with their right, sometimes to break with their right sometimes. And then they still, um, you know, one of those gearing things, that, you know, I don't know if they've still got the clutch per se in there in this, uh, this next generation car, but a lot of drivers used to use that other pedal, of course, for the clutch out of this, but now we're in a completely different day and age. Now, um, it might be one of those things of where he might use the left foot a little bit on the brake and stuff, and then still use the gas. Some of those drivers do that. Um, 
it will really take a toll on him. Uh, if he's hoping to get back in by Bristol, Bristol could be extremely tough on him because Bristol is one of those tracks that will just beat him to death. And it's a dirt track this time around. It's going to be a, the dirt track for the first round. And uh, it could be very rough on him. Now, it could also be rough on him if they're thinking of Circuit of the Americas when they go to Austin, Texas, and they race that track. Uh, that's going to cause some problems. Uh, you know, straightaways, not too much of a problem. But when you start to hit the curves and so forth, you're going to have to be able to make adjustments. Uh, that could cause him some problems. I'm anticipating him being out at least up to six to eight weeks is what I'm guessing right now at this point. And then at that eight week point, if he has shown healing per se, that he is, that bone has started to knit back and everything looks okay of where they've done the, uh, the surgery. And we still don't know to what extent that it is right now. It could have been one of those, uh, it could have been one of those breaks that they had to put a rod in. And if it's a case of putting a rod in there, uh, that's not going to be as much trouble as it would be allowing the bone to heal back normally. That would be the question mark that I would have. So, you know, I'm, an, I'm anticipating at least six to eight weeks just as a guess out of this whole thing. But uh, it could be a little bit longer depending on, you know, how he heals up as a driver. Uh, I think we talked about this. Josh Berry took his seat uh, on Sunday um, and it looks like Hendricks talking about They'll make a decision um, on who will more permanently, at least, you know, in the in the interim basis, take on that ride uh, over the next several weeks. So they have they have some choices to make there. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's probably and, you know, they've got a good stable of Hendricks not running, per se, the Xfinity series as much as he has a, an active involvement with junior motorsports. And so there you've got a, 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 a just a treasure trove of drivers that you could plug into those uh, particular areas. Josh Berry is one that uh, that Junior Motorsports and Dale Jr. has been very high on, very popular on. Uh, you know, he really wants to get him a seat ride one day in the Cup Series. And this is good experience for him. You know, I anticipated him uh, doing okay. He finished, what, 29th, I think, yeah. is what he finished. That's right. And I think he was like a lap or two behind, I think, at the end of the race. But, you know, not a bad, you know, start for him, and especially at a track that – can be very tricky sometimes at Las Vegas as you know, Eric Almarola had the uh, incident happen right before the end of the race. And we really had some times of some brushes against the wall coming through there. And a lot of them, I think misjudged going into the turn and then they touched the, you know, the right fender, the right back part of the car. And that could have caused some big wrecks uh, yesterday, but I think he did well considering he, you know, just kind of held in there and held his own as a driver. I don't, I don't think it was a disappointment by any means, but now if we get to the third or fourth race and he's still in that seat and he's not making any forward progress where he needs to be going, there'll probably be a change, something like that along the line. You mentioned uh, the wall yesterday. Uh, mm -hmm. Joey Logano had a good run until he hit the wall, um, yep. ending his day and had to go back to the garage. They couldn't get, a car, get his car fixed in time. Um, talk about Logano. He, he, he started well. Um, mm -hmm. He was uh, running well and then just got caught up in, a, in, in some action there. Yeah, he got caught up in that. I think it was that uh, that arm, that uh, toe arm back in there that uh, once it tapped the the wall and it hit the wall, that thing is broke and you've got to go and you've got to bring it into the pits. And sometimes you've got enough time to be able to do it. This is where the hard part's at. I mean, if you go under, uh, go into the pits and you're there and you're being tended to, 
you've got so many minutes in order to replace it in and stuff and be able to fix it. And, you know, I think in this case, the damage was just a little bit beyond what they could fix on pit road. And so they just pretty much cashed it in for the day. It just changes the, uh, the way that the, um, the standings are, I think more than anything else, because Logano was in there, um, had a good, had a, had good performances in the first couple of races of the season. And then you turn around and now you find Ross Chastain in number one in the first position, Alex Bowman on his third place finish yesterday in the Las Vegas race. He finishes, he comes in second. Kevin Harvick is third. Daniel Suarez and that track house, track house racing team is fourth and Martin Truex, although he did not have a good finish to this race and so forth yesterday, he comes in at fifth. So he's still hanging there with Denny Hamlin in sixth, Christopher Bell in seventh, Kyle Busch, surprisingly in eighth place and the number eight car there. Then Joey Logano drops all the way down to ninth after that happened to him yesterday. And then Chris Busher. Uh, rounds out the top 10 in the point standings, the driver standings as we have them so far. So, you know, kind of a big surprise. We're starting to see that continuance of power in there from uh, Trackhouse Motorsports with Chastain and Suarez both in there running in the top five. I mean, you can't beat that having a team that's got two cars and they're running there in the top five. And then look at Hendrick. Hendrick only has Bowman out of that group right there in the top 10. So it's a statement there in itself for Rick Hendrick and Hendrick Motorsports to have Bowman there. But you'd expect, you know, William Byron to be in there. You'd also expect, you know, a Chase Elliott to be in there. You would expect, you know, these drivers, but some of these guys are not there. That means that Alex Bowman has been keeping his nose clean so far. He may not have been the recipient of some good fortune in the first two or first three races and everything, or first two races, but he has kept his nose clean, and it's he's been where he needed to be at in order to make this point jump where he picked up 57 points, and that vaulted him into the second position in the point standings. Bubba Wallace had a good ride yesterday, finished fourth. Uh, he was the first uh, among the non-Hendrick drivers yesterday. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's first first good ride for him in a while, uh, maybe a couple of years. Uh, he was uh, running sixth when the caution came out with two laps to go. I read where he said he was thinking about just kind of settling for six because he was about eight or nine seconds behind at that stage. But he, was give, he, like the rest of the field, was given a chance to make a run at the end. I think he finished less than a second behind mm -hmm. uh, the eventual winner. But uh, all in all, a good day for Wallace. Yeah, I think so. And I think that uh, this team, the longer that they kind of stay together and they kind of work together about things, we're going to see more out of this Bubba Wallace team, um, especially out of this 2311 Motorsports. Um, you know, he's really stepping up to the plate. The one that's kind of gone <clears throat> south, per se, if you really want to say this, is uh, Tyler Reddick. You know, bragged about that he was going to be this great driver that came over from uh, Richard Childress racing, and he was going to step into the 2311 Motorsports stable, and they expected big things out of him right out of the gate. And right now, he is not doing well whatsoever. I think in the um, <clears throat> last time I looked at the points right here, 34th in points, and this was out of somebody that made it into, I think, the final eight before, you know, he finally had to uh, bow out last year in the uh, in the Richard Childress Racing Chevrolet. So uh, it's kind of a surprise for Tyler Reddick there to find himself uh, in 34th place. And then, like you said, 
Bubba Wallace has had a good season so far. He's had a good year, then he's ranked 16th in the points, but that still doesn't mean he's out of earshot of being able to make the top 10. A couple of good races and maybe a win there in one or two of those races, and that could propel him up to be at least in the top five or near the top of the point standings. So yeah, Bubba Wallace, I've really got to admit he has, has remained focused so far this year. Uh, these certain things can happen that go and knock these drivers off their pedestal after a while. They may be running good. And then we had the thing like what happened last year. Bubba Wallace was in contention, Kyle Larson, and then the, the bump and the, everything happened at Las Vegas last year in the latter stages of the season. You know, that kind of put a downer point on Bubba Wallace's season up to that point because coming out and then just beating up Kyle, uh, Kyle Larson there, at least, you know, laying a couple of slaps on him. Uh, it didn't look good for him, but he's kind of decided to write that ship a little bit more. And I think we're going to see a lot more better things out of him this season. Than what we saw last year. So this West coast swing uh, wraps up this Sunday at Phoenix, three 30 Eastern time start. And it's the first of the two races at Phoenix. Of course, the season ends in Phoenix, uh, with the championship race way down the line, a few months away, several months away. Um, so tell us about Phoenix uh, and who runs the, well there. And also, I mean, I know when there's two races on a track, uh, one's you know early in the year, one's late in the year, they may run a little differently. Uh, how different is, is Phoenix in the spring as opposed to the fall? Well, it depends on what the temperature is. I mean, if the temperature is, you know, at least uh, probably like what it was in Las Vegas, 50s or 60s, then we've got a chance for anybody to, you know, pretty much on this race, uh, sort of like what it could have been at Las Vegas temperatures in the fifties, sixties, if they were in the seventies, we'd have probably seen a lot more competitive racing than what we did. Uh, you know, you had that one car getting out to the front dominant. We might see some of that again at Phoenix. Uh, yeah, to me, there's a difference. I think in early on in, in racing right now in March, as opposed to racing in the championship, uh, the last race of the season there in November. And that is you're still trying to find your groove. You're still trying to find what makes this team tick. And you'd rather find out at a Phoenix and you'd rather find out early on as opposed to trying to pick up all the pieces when you get to the championship weekend in that uh, first or second week of November. Um, I think for a lot of these teams, it's going to be um, deciding time. This is going to see how they, how well they perform uh, on a uh, short track. And, and I call it a short track, but more of a flat track in preparing some of these drivers before they get to Martinsville. And when they get to Martinsville in April, we'll see uh, a lot more, I guess, consistency on some of these drivers, how well they do on some of the short tracks, as opposed to what we've seen at Daytona. And then also what we saw at auto club speedway out in California. So we'll see a difference of course. And in the spring, I think they're still just trying to get their feel for the way everything is, the way the team is set up. Some things start kind of, um, they start kind of gelling at this point, you know, by at least the, the third, fourth race of the season, things start to gel a little bit more. And I think for myself, I might even see a Kevin Harvick win this race because Kevin Harvick, this has been one of his favorite tracks. He hasn't had a good year. Uh, last year didn't have the best of years until he started winning. And then, you know, right there toward the very end, 
thought he was going to be in contention and then gets knocked out, has all this trouble happen, but he's got out of the gate pretty well this season. Uh, he's, he's been there. He's still running when this when the races are over with, um, I would kind of give Kevin Harvick a little bit of an advantage right there too. I really wouldn't rule out, you know, Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch likes Phoenix too. Um, Richard Childress racing seems to be hitting on all cylinders right now. Uh, they didn't win the race on Sunday at Las Vegas, but they like these kind of tracks. Kyle Busch likes these kind of tracks. Uh, that would be, uh, that'd be a good one to see too, but I really don't want to rule out an AJ Allmendinger. Uh, you know, he went out late. I think, uh, he had some trouble there on the last lap. I think after everything had already been called and he hit, uh, bounced off the wall on the inside, they were jockeying for position, but you know, AJ Allmendinger loves these kind of tracks and he loves Phoenix. And I think there might be a possibility if they can get him at least in the top five, he could be in contention for a big cup win coming up at Phoenix. So between them, I would have to say it'd have to be Harvick, has to be Kyle Busch, or maybe an A.J. Allmendinger out of that bunch. Uh, include a Martin Truex in there just for good measure. I'm really not impressed with Denny Hamlin right now. Denny Hamlin has been uh, not doing so well. He made a choice yesterday. He made a... Uh, what some people might regard as a bonehead move, uh, trying to go right there at the very end, and it ended up moving him backwards as he was going back through there. They couldn't keep together, and when that happened, he lost a lot of time and lost some uh, positions out of it. So um, I'd really have to give an edge in the Joe Gibbs team to probably Martin Truex right now, but don't rule out a Denny Hamlin because this could be his track to kind of shine on and wake back up that team that uh, so desperately needs a good performance this time around. Good luck. We're ready for Phoenix on Sunday, 3.30 p.m. ET is the uh, starting time. And uh, Rod will, of course, keep us up to date during the day on Facebook on Augusta Free Press. And then he and I will get back together next Monday and break it all down. Rod, thank you for your time today. Appreciate it, Chris, and good luck. Have a good time at the ACC tournament coming up. I'm looking forward to hearing what happens with UVA as they uh, go down the stretch here. Of course, you're going to have to wait, what, a day or two, I guess, before uh, they'll kick in with games with that double bye. But uh, looking forward to hearing and uh, finding out your reports and everything from down in Greensboro along with Jerry, Jerry Ratcliffe, too, and having those reports there from, from them. So always good when you guys go down to uh, Greensboro or go cover the ACC tournament. It's always just great fun. Well, thanks for saying that. Yeah, Team AFP, Chris Graham, Scott German heading down tomorrow. We'll be down there actually for the Virginia Tech game tomorrow night. And then Virginia doesn't play all the way until Thursday night. So, yeah, we have to bide our time at that stage. Mm -hmm. uh, Gus Free Press and JerryRatcliffe.com will have all the coverage, as Rod mentioned there. So, yeah, thanks, Rod, and uh, thanks again for your time today. No problem. Appreciate it.